welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. And today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks.com. So if you want to get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly, then head over to FreshBooks.com slash HWS and enter healthy, wealthy, and smart in the how did you hear about us section, and you will get a 30-day unrestricted unrestricted free trial. So a huge thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring today's podcast. So what are we talking about today? One of uh, a subject that's near and dear to my heart, and that is branding. And I'm pleased to have as my guest, Jonathan David Lewis. He is the author of Brand vs. Wild, a Forbes contributor and brand survival expert at McKee Wallwork and Company. As partner and strategy director at MWC, Jonathan led his firm to be recognized by Purveyor Advertising Age as a national leader in branding and marketing, winning the Southwest Small Agency of the Year, National B2B Campaign of the Year, and National Best Places to Work Awards. Jonathan sharpened his skills during the harsh years of the Great Recession, helping brands navigate today's unforgiving new business paradigms. Jonathan's opinions are highly sought by numerous business and marketing publications, including Forbes, Digiday, and Advertising Age, where he explores the factors of stalled growth and the principles proven to help companies traverse the dangers of the brand wilderness. So on today's episode, we discuss what survival psychology can teach us about growing a business, which was really interesting. Why maintaining success requires continual curiosity, and I think as healthcare professionals, uh, or as a healthcare professional, I could not agree with that more. If you stop being curious, you become stagnant and irrelevant, in my opinion. Brand differentiation strategies and how to find your niche audience, and his book, Brand vs. Wild, How to Navigate the Increasingly Harsh Business World. And you know, there are so many nuggets of knowledge here. But there is one that really stuck out in my mind, and it's something that Jonathan said, and it's, no matter what, you're going to have a brand and you're going to have a reputation. The question is, is do you want someone else to make that brand or or reputation for you, or do you want to take control and do it for yourself? Do you want to create your own brand, create your own reputation? Because either way, you're going to have one. It just depends on who takes control of it. And I think we can all agree that you kind of want to be in control of how you're seen out in the world. And and this today's episode is 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 just perfect. I mean, he gives actionable steps, things you can do right now to either increase your brand visibility, or to even create a brand for yourself. So uh, I want to thank Jonathan David Lewis so much because I loved this interview. And you can get his book, Brand vs. Wild, if you go on to the show notes at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. You can get uh, one quick link, boom, right to the book, and you can order it today. And I highly suggest you do that. So... Without further ado, let's get right to today's podcast 
with Jonathan David Lewis. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. And as uh, people heard in your intro, you are the author of the new book, Brand vs. Wild. But can you also fill in some of the blanks for the listeners so they get to know you a little bit better? Sure, sure. I have uh, three beautiful kids and a beautiful wife. Um, I am an avid Spartaner, uh, so I do a lot of Spartan races and um, trying to work my way up to to the beast, and uh, those those are kicking my butt right now. But it gives me something to look forward to and and uh, something outside of work to to really challenge me. So have a lot of fun. That's now I don't know much about those Spartan races. So what is the the beast? So the beast is a half marathon with something like thirty obstacles, uh, where you're you know you're climbing over a lake or you're going on. Um, you know, lifting some heavy object or climbing a rope, those sort of fun things. So it's kind of like boot camp mixed with a lot of running. Um, so it's it's kind of weird because it's sort of a torture fest. Uh, Sound, but it kind of sounds like it. Yeah, but it's, it's also kind of fun. So that, that's awesome. my thing right now. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, as a physical therapist, we are huge promoters of movement and exercise. So I'm thrilled to hear that. Now, you're on today because we are going to be talking um, about branding, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. I've had people on as we were talking before we started to, to kind of get people to understand their brand and know who they are. But with you uh, today, I'm really excited to go a little bit deeper into some of the psychology behind that. So let's start out with something that I know affects me and I'm sure affects a lot of other people. And that is kind of how fear might sort of hold you back, hold your brand back, I think, to reaching its full potential. So can you talk on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think fear is one of those emotions that is fundamental to business and career and life. And in the context of really us, us, all of us as professionals, just trying to deal with the chaos that is our industry, if you're, if you're in the healthcare industry, is the world, if you look at politics, and even just business in general. I mean, the headlines the last few weeks have all been about Microsoft, Nike, Sears, everyone's having layoffs, everybody's restructuring. There's so much change in the world right now, not even counting politics and, and those sort of things. It's overwhelming. And then you apply that to your personal life and your personal Personal career. I mean, what do you do when uh, you feel commoditized? What do you do when you feel like there's there's very little that that differentiates you, or even maybe things are changing in healthcare that that you're just not expecting that are kind of scary. Well, we all have that fear, and and even worse of all, maybe we have the fear that we're a hack. Well, according to our research, uh, which we've looked at at the seven dynamics that actually affect business growth, and it's really fascinating business research. But what got us really excited is we learned our own proprietary research is highly correlated with survival psychology, so much so that I can say something kind of crazy that there's very little difference psychologically between a group of survivors who've crash-landed on a mountain or lost in the desert and a group of business people who are just trying to navigate some sort of unexpected business challenge. We go through the same psychological reaction, and the first reaction to any sort of unexpected challenge or disruption is fear. And when we're afraid, what we've learned is that we clam up. It, it, it causes most of us to be paralyzed. And Dr. John Leach, who is this uh, leading pioneer in survival psychology, says that most of us react in one of three ways 
to an unexpected challenge. 10% of us are prepared. So we're logical, we're rational, we get through it. 80% of us are paralyzed by an unexpected challenge of some kind. And then another 10% of us actually make things worse. We panic. Now, if you apply that to business and your career, you think about, okay, that can be as, as small as a new employee comes along and maybe shakes things up for you in, in your career or a new boss comes along or maybe your, your company gets purchased and acquired. Um, or it can be really, really big, like the the conversation about healthcare and healthcare in Washington right now, where who knows what kind of ramifications are, are going to come through. So knowing yourself, knowing that 90% of us are going to respond poorly to any unexpected challenge is really one of the first things that can help is you're probably not going to respond well, but there are ways to get past your fear. Okay. And what are those ways? Because I know where I fall into this and I'm certainly in that 80%, I think, paralyzed mm -hmm. when something big or unexpected happens. I'm prepared for little things. I will say, but not for the big things. So what do we do? Where do we go? Yeah, well, well, any Boy Scout or any survivalist will tell you the same thing. They'll say the first thing you do when you're feeling paralyzed, when you just don't know what to do, is you need to stop. And it's an acronym in, in any uh, survival circles. It's stop, think, observe, plan. So you're in the middle of the wilderness. You're lost. And I think a lot of us have that kind of memory. Maybe when we were a kid camping, maybe we, we got disoriented for a few minutes or, or actually got lost. I, I have my memories of getting lost. It's pretty terrifying. Well, when you're in that moment, there's a lot of physiological reactions that, that occur. So you're, you have three specific hormones released into your, your bloodstream. Your, uh, what usually is sort of the logical part of your brain, kind of taking uh, control of all your functions, moves to the illogical part of your brain. There's all of these physiological reactions to fear. Well, when that's occurring, one of your first acts of courage is actually to stop, sit down. And in that moment, it's, it's often the last thing you want to do. Even if you're paralyzed, your brain's going and you know, you're, you're mentally going and going. The first you can, thing you can do is just stop. And once you have, have literally stopped and you're able to kind of take in your surroundings and ask, the, ask some fundamental questions about what's going on in my career, in this company, in this business, that allow, that, that stillness allows you the silence and the perspective to, to then uh, gain the intel you need in, in your surroundings to start making smart decisions. But it's one of the hardest things to do. And there's this really fascinating research where one of the best examples is, um, you know, it's easy to say, okay, I'm paralyzed by fear. I don't think we realize how intensely paralyzed we actually get by fear. So there's this famous example called the Manchester disaster, where an airplane filled with passengers is on a tarmac about to take off. When all of a sudden, a, uh, a fire breaks out on the plane. So the pilot pulls over the plane, opens the exits, and everybody has plenty of time to exit. Yet many, many people still died on the plane. And it wasn't because they didn't have the chance to get off. It's because many people chose to sit in their seats while it's the, the cabin was filled with smoke and fire. They were literally paralyzed because they weren't expecting any sort of you know, challenge or in that case, a disaster. So it's something for any of us that travel a lot. You know, I, I sort of get lazy because I'm traveling so much. I, I don't listen to the instructions when they tell you, you know, safety instructions. I don't read the pamphlet. I've heard it tr a trillion times. Well, a survivalist will tell you, you need to listen every single time you're on the plane. You need to read that pamphlet every single time. You need to count seats from where you're sitting to the exit every time. Not because you don't know it, 
but because part of overcoming fear is being vigilant and constant vigilance is really required, especially in an environment in healthcare today where there are so many changes. I mean, how can we ever anticipate what's coming next? We have to be vigilant. And how does that, what does that vigilance look like when it comes to you and your business or you and your, or your brand? You know, even when there are all these changes swirling around you, what does that look like from a practical standpoint? I think the most important thing you can do is to keep learning. And, and this is, you know, not just, you know, maybe some of your continual learning that's required or something. I mean, really, as a professional, what, what do you not know that you really should know today? And I can tell you, if you thought about it for two minutes, you could probably come up with quite a large list of things that, of how the world is just passing us by. And so that continual learning, that curiosity, I mean, information is more available than ever in history. And I don't just mean go Google something. There's online courses from some of the best instructors in the world that are either free or you can just pay a, a tiny fee and get some of these, this information. Prepare yourself for the future. And that's not a one and done thing. You have to keep learning because your job is going to change tomorrow. It's already changing. Someone's either gonna, going to impose that on you, like from Washington or, or a competitor. So I think continual learning is one of those key aspects. And one of the biggest enemies of continual learning is success. If you've had some measure of success in your career or life, you know, you start to believe that, first of all, you, you're the one who did it all. Well, I'm sure you had a hand in it, but there's a lot of other things. But also, you start to believe that what made you successful will continue to make you successful. And that's just not true anymore. There's too much instability and change in the world. You have to keep learning. You have to stay humble. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think that happens a lot where you're like, well, I, I am successful. I'm making six figures, seven figures, whatever. So wh- why do I have to keep pushing myself, you know? So do you find that people get a little complacent or a little lazy at that point? Um, and are those people, the people who maybe don't move ahead, you know, cause Absolutely. you have the people at the top of their game. They're the people who I'm assuming are constantly learning. I think you're onto something there because I mean, it's a little unrelated, but if you just open a, a newspaper, I, I was, I was reading the wall street journal this morning and you look at the headlines, you're going to see there's a big article about Apple iTunes is now falling behind. Apple iTunes. They were the what? pioneer, right? And, and Nike is, is um, having layoffs and restructuring their product line. And Microsoft is having layoffs. I mean, all of these behemoths, all of these pioneers in their industries who had more success than we can imagine are falling behind. How much more so you and I, who, who don't have their resources, don't have necessarily their perspective, and so it's, it's kind of this weird mix of complacency, which often comes from success, but also arrogance. Even if you're, you may not be honest with yourself, but we all get a little arrogant once we've had a little bit of a success. And that's why that humility comes in. If you're, if you're humble, you're paranoid because you know that someone else is working harder, someone else is smarter, you've got to stay on top of your game. And if you're humble, you don't fall into that lie that your, that your previous success will continue to, to make you successful, which is just not true, that the economy has changed. I mean, fundamentally, some of these old um, ideas of success, where, whether it was size, scale, longevity, intellectual property, you know, I've been in business 20 years, that means I'm, I know something you don't. 
those very things can actually be vulnerabilities today. So if you've, if you've been stable in your career for 15, 20 years, you should probably be more nervous than the person who's been there five years because they are far more open to change and adapting than you are. And so I think that leads well into what I wanted to talk about next, and that's how to set yourself apart or set you or your brand apart um, from others. So I think you gave a little bit of that answer just now, but can you talk a little bit more about that? This is a really fun topic, especially when you think about something like healthcare. Healthcare is one of the most commoditized industries where there might be some new technique here, there, or specialist here and there who has a niche. But in general, you know, nobody wants to think about healthcare. You only think about it when you're hurt. So it's, it's normally a negative purchase occasion. And it's extremely commoditized, especially the people that work in it are extremely commoditized. So what do you do? How do you stand out? And, and usually the answer, especially if you have a left if you, if you use your left brain most of the time, which healthcare workers tend to, <laughs> is usually the answer is I need more specific uh, training and I need to have this speci- special specialty, which isn't a bad way of doing it, but it's also the way everyone else is doing it. The other thing, the other way to go about really differentiating yourself and finding a focus, which is what it's about, it doesn't have to necessarily be just what you're doing. It can be how you do it or the attitude or your bedside manner. There's a lot of variables involved. The first thing you need to ask is, what am I really, really good at doing? For me, me personally, Jonathan Lewis, what am I really good at doing? And then you need to ask the the next question, which is, what are my customers, what are my patients, what do they absolutely need? And then here's the money question. Where do those two things overlap? Because I can tell you, most much of what healthcare provides today is meant for healthcare. It's not meant for the patient or the customer. If you can actually identify, even if you have to work around the system, if you can identify some of those needs that in, in the marketplace, in people, real people with lives and feelings, their needs, and then make sure that what you provide overlaps with that, which may, may be a mental or emotional benefit rather than just a physical benefit, you can differentiate. You can stand out. So three simple questions, but the answers are, are really sometimes pretty tough. And I would think that would involve like what I'm thinking now is sort of writing, uh, getting a piece of paper, splitting it into two and sort of writing what you're really good at, writing what you feel your, your clients or your patients need. And just, would you recommend just doing a brain dump on all of that and then kind of seeing what, what crosses? Yes. And, and it's actually that simple. A lot of people complexify or you know, think you have to spend a million dollars to figure that sort of stuff out. It can be that simple. And I will tell you, when you first sit down to write that list of what am I really, really good at, you're going to start with, well, I've been doing this for 15 years and I'm really good at this type of physical therapy or this type of medicine or, or whatever it might be. Well, well, once you get that down, get it out of your system because that's not the most compelling. Then start to think about what you are really, really good at. So actually, I'm really good at connecting the dots. You know, I'm okay at X, Y, and Z, but man, can I connect dots like nobody else? Or I'm really, really good at bedside manner. I'm really, really good at making somebody laugh. You start to really think through what you, what, what's your strength. Then as you cross over on the other side of that paper, I love, I love that, that what you've described there, and you start to ask the question, what do people really need? You're going to start with, well, they need someone to provide a plan, 
to help them with their physical therapy or uh, I, they need somebody to help guide them through the, the difficult payment process of healthcare, whatever. But then you start getting down below that. You get that out of your system. Then you start saying, what do they really, really need? Well, they're afraid. They're, maybe they're, they've lost their confidence because they can't get out there and do what they used to do. They can't run a marathon anymore or they can't even stand up as a security guard anymore. They, there's something – their ego is hurt. Something inside is, is crying out for help. Maybe they're embarrassed and they don't even want to talk about certain things. I mean, if you really try to get to what do they need and then where those overlap, you can see, well, I connect the dots and they're, they're over here meandering. They don't even know how to find the information they need. Well, that's where I should focus. You start to see those, those ideas that can start to differentiate you. Yeah. So it sounds like you're saying, let's move beyond you as the physical therapist, you as a profession and move to you as a human being and move exactly. beyond this person as a client or a patient and as a human being and how can you make that human connection and that's what's going to make you stand out from your competition because we're all different. Exactly. And there's a million trillion different combinations of what they need and who you are and even if you're not strong here, you're strong somewhere. So just discover that. And so it takes some self-reflection and takes some honest um, empathy into the people that you're helping. And if you don't have that, if you can't even take yourself to the point where you have that empathy, then you're not going to find a, a differentiator anyway because it requires serving somebody else for, for a, a real need they have a, that's below the surface. That's not just a basic medical need. Yeah, and I think this is such a, a, a positive way to move yourself and move your brand forward. And... I think this is a great exercise for anyone listening. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone who owns a business and, oh, my business is the brand. As we were kind of talking about before, whether you work in a big hospital system, whether you're on a staff, whether you're, you have a boss, you're not, your own, you're not uh, an entrepreneur, you still have a brand, right? Yeah, this is, this is one of those um, interesting topics. So a lot of people will ask me, what is branding? Or I'll say the word brand, and they immediately roll their eyes. And it's like, okay, here well, we go. Here's another guy talking yeah. about branding. <laughs> uh, we've all heard the term. It's sort of like disruption. Everyone's throwing it around. Well, if you, if you have a reputation, you have a brand. And the problem is, uh, whether you like it or not, you have a reputation, so you have a brand and you may hate the word, you may hate people who are practitioners <laughs> of branding, but you have one. And so the question isn't whether to, to have one or whether to invest in one. The question is, am I going to be intentional about my, my brand personally or my brand corporately or not? Because you have it whether, whether you like it or not. And being intentional is what separates people who are differentiated, who, who you look at and say, I, there's something special about them. You know, they, I, I know what they're all about. That's what separates them from all the rest of us who are kind of lost in the sea of commodity. Yeah, and again, what a great tip to, like you said, make you stand out from the rest of the crowd. So if you're allowing others to put your brand onto you, well, where, where are you going? You know, even as a person, where are you going? Right. So. I think being able to take control over that and, like you said, be intentional about it is, a, is really powerful. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's the same. It's the same thought. If you, whether it's finance, you know, have a budget, be intentional, right? A lot of people aren't. Or whether it's your health, you know, have. What, what are you going to do with your diet? Are you going to work out? Be intentional. Same thing goes with your own reputation, and and it really does matter. It, it can be at a company level, certainly. It can be at a personal level, even whether you get that raise, whether you get that opportunity for for more education, whether you get that training. If you're not standing out, if you're letting someone else make those decisions for you or just assume because you haven't done anything to make yourself stand out, then you're not moving as quickly, as as high um, as everyone else who's in the same boat as you. Right. And then you don't, because you don't want to be that person that's standing in one spot watching everyone else go by you and wonder how come everyone else is moving and I'm still here. (laughs) And so I think the tips that you just gave are great ways for people to put themselves out there and move forward. So on that note, we're going to take a really quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we will be back in about 45 seconds. A huge thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring today's episode. The all-new FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy accounting software that's completely transformed how freelancers and small business owners deal with their day-to-day work. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. The all-new features include professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, set up online payments, and see when your clients have seen your invoice. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash HWS and enter healthy, wealthy, and smart in the how did you hear about us section. And it's ridiculously easy. I have been using it. If I can use it, you can too. And now back to today's episode. Okay, everybody, welcome back. I am here with Jonathan David Lewis. He is the author of Brand Versus Wild. And we are talking all about kind of how to differentiate yourself from uh, from your competition or even from your peers and your coworkers and the psychology behind surviving your brand and surviving uh, your work. And, and there's so much more that I feel like we could, we could probably fill, I don't know, maybe 10 podcasts on those subjects alone, don't you think? Um, <laughs> but now what I'd really love to talk about, so, you know, we, we now know kind of how to differentiate ourselves we have an idea of how to survive uh, through tough times and through stressful times. But now how the all-important question is, how do you get people to know who you are and where you are? So how do you advertise without getting yourself crazy? Yeah, this is, this is the money question, yeah. uh, which, which often requires money. Um, so this is huge. If you think about... Uh, the last 10, 15 years, the opportunities to communicate have exploded, and which is, is you know increasing fragmentation everywhere, from paid channels like TV, radio, digital, to unpaid like social, which is now becoming more and more paid if you're a business. Um, to you know, everything is exploding; it's fragmenting, which makes it a lot harder to to go for a mass market, which. Um, you know, a- anybody who knows what they're doing today will tell you there is no more mass market. You know, what Coca-Cola was able to do the last 100 years is not really possible anymore, barring some sort of miracle, because, because it's just too fragmented. So really, again, ask yourself, um, what, what are you all about? 
And who are you doing that for? And as Seth Godin would put it, you know, who is your tribe? Because you're not trying to do anything big. You're trying to be hyper-relevant for a really, really small amount of people. In fact, the smallest amount of people possible for you to achieve your goal. That could mean you need 50 people. That could mean you need a 1,000 people. I don't know what the number is, but it's a probably a lot smaller and a lot more doable than any of us can imagine, especially if we just sort of say, sit back and say, okay, where do I need to be? What do I need to say? Where do I need to say it? Because that's, that's just a huge question that's overwhelming, as opposed to saying, who am I and who am I hyper-relevant for? Once you know that, then you just go find out where they are. Where are they hanging out? You know, what, what, where, where's their tribe located? And that, for many of us, is likely going to be somewhere online, somewhere on social media. It could, there could be some offline clubs. There could be, I mean, there's a lot of places that people, culture, subcultures hang out. So if you ask those questions and really just focus on the smallest amount of people that can help you achieve your goal, then it's not such a scary beast out there. When you're, you know, if you're Nike... Or if you're, even if you're not maybe world class, if you're uh, just a company today, looking at all the options, it's it, the same principle applies, but it's a lot scarier because it's extremely expensive to spend money on advertising. The effectiveness is changing. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And social media is changing every day. So that's what probably the biggest fear most of my clients deal with. Because that you know the big question, what is my money getting for me? What's the ROI? And rather than th- there's this pressure to be as as relevant to as many people as possible, rather than being relevant to a, a very small amount of people, and and that's sort of that thing that takes the pressure off. Be it's okay to be small. It's okay to be niche. Yeah, and I really love that because it is overwhelming. And and what I also really appreciate is the term fragmented. And that, yes, our societies are very fragmented, and perhaps even the people that, are, that we want to reach are fragmented. Like you said, some can be online, so maybe some are offline. And it takes me back to what we talked about before and to that acronym of STOP, which I think applies here as well. STOP, think, observe, and plan. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so yeah. it's feeling overwhelming to you, which I, I admit it's super overwhelming to me. You know, you open and you're like, oh, God, do I have to put something on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter? And now I have to do Snapchat. And now I have to, because you think I have to do, have to do, have to do. Right, right. But you don't really have to do all of that, right? No, no. I mean, again, what is the unique problem you're fixing for the smallest amount of people possible that are going to adore you? There are people out there that want to love you. There are prob- if you're in business today or if you have a, a career today, there are people that love you. Find more of them and keep it small. And, wh- and that, that brings you back to things like focus and simplicity and doing a few things well rather than everything poorly. And those same things now apply in, in a question or in, in, the, in really facing the challenge of the media fragmentation it's no longer about reach and frequency. That's sort of an old world way of thinking about getting your, your word out there. As many people as possible, as frequently as possible. It's about impact. <laughs> and can you make impact with your tribe? And with that in mind, yes, you can. And you can be highly successful. And so let's take that to a real world example, okay? So let's take myself. So I have 
a concierge physical therapy practice in New York City. So I go to patients' homes. Um, I don't take any insurance, so people have to pay me out of pocket. And I want to find more people who are going to love me. So what, what should my first step be in planning this out? So I've already stopped. I, I know, I think, I know who, who my tribe is already. So mm-hmm. what's my plan? So if you, if you stopped and you have a good sense of who your tribe is, which what you've just described, certainly that's a specific type of person. Not everybody can do that. Um, then you need to orient. And that's where you, you in, a, in a survival scenario, literally, you're sitting down, you look around, you say, did I bring supplies? Does anybody know where I am? Did I tell anybody I was going hiking today? What's the weather like? Can I see a mountain in the distance? You know, you sort of orient yourself to your surroundings. In your case, you sit back and say, okay, where's the market opportunity? Who needs me? Who is, who is underserved today? And that is who I'm going to be successful with. So in your case, it might be, as you've described, you know, the people who can afford to pay outside of insurance, who want you in their home. There's a, that's a very specific type of person who's both comfortable with a stranger in their home at first and has enough income to pay for something like that. You're starting to describe a very specific person. And as you describe that person, as you know your tribe, that then allows you to know exactly how you need to act, who you need to be to service them well. And in your case, mass media would never make sense. I mean, you, you first of all, there's not enough money in the world to find them all. But second, it's just a wait. You're wasting a lot of money talking to people that don't need you or want you. So you're obviously you're doing this. You're a thought leader. You have a podcast. You know, you're you're using social media effectively, which is an effective way to find subcultures. Um, and but there's a, there's other tactical things you could consider. But as you've identified, you've oriented to the marketplace. There is this need. You now understand them better, and then you simply say, where are they hanging out? Yeah, and, you know, I when I first started doing, uh, first started this business, uh, that's exactly what I did. I sat down and said, okay, who, where, where are they? Where are they hanging out? Who are they listening to? What are... What are they reading? You know, how can I kind of really get into the mind of that person? And I think that that's really helped. And I mean, I've not done any mass advertising or anything like that, because like you said, it is a specific niche of a person. Where would I go? Yeah, yeah, you know? it's, it's crazy. You know, another way of explaining this, of, of really simplifying and learning to think about your customer, your niche in a more human way is, you know, famously... President Donald Trump, you know, won the election not too long ago, and the whole world was stunned. And every egghead in politics, every expert in politics, every pollster, every publication got it wrong. How in the world was that possible? Well, there was one model that predicted Trump winning. Uh, This pollster asked one simple question, county by county, does it have a Whole Foods or does it have a Cracker Barrel? And whether it did or not predicted which way the county voted. So again, one way to define a voter is demographically. You know, people 65 plus vote this way and living in this geography vote this way. Another way to simplify the whole thing is, do you go shop at Whole Foods or do you go shop or eat at Cracker Barrel? And that tells you, that insinuates all of these different behaviors and lifestyles and beliefs 
um, about who your audience is. So as you know, get out of the normal way of thinking about people. People aren't demographics. Nobody is 25 to 54 years old, right? <laughs> yeah, that's they're tough. they're Sally, they're Jeff, they're Antonio. They're humans with cultures and backgrounds and pains and fears and loves. And learn who they are. You'll learn what makes them tick, who their culture is, what their tribe is, and then be relevant and, and honestly serve that where they are. And if you're doing that in a very empathetic, sincere, empathetic, sincere way, you will be effective. You will reach them. I hear a lot like, well, how, how do you – how are you reaching people? Or I did X, Y, and Z and I only got two patients all month. But mm-hmm. I think maybe you have to dive a little deeper into this work and, mm-hmm. and really put that time aside to say, well, this is, I, this is, I know who I am and I know who I'm looking for and be very confident in that. Because I think a lot of people can be a little wishy-washy and I think that can kind of screw you over in the end. Yeah, I mean, if you think about in a case like physical therapy, I'm sure a lot of it is referral driven mm-hmm. and and you know, even beyond that, if people don't know you exist, they're probably going online and looking for help. And they go to WebMD and it's not that helpful. So they keep digging, they keep digging. I mean, how can you be of service for your specific thing? You're the best in the world at this. And and so honestly, serving those people online, creating a forum, helping people through their issues, um, but also through your referrals and and um, don't think of your patient as a one-time paycheck for a service or a six-week process. You know, they're a 20-year lifetime patient who's going to give you a lot of referrals if you continue to educate them, if you continue to help them, even when they're not handing you a couple bucks. And if you do that over time, that's, you know, a lot of it is about getting that repeat business. Yeah, and I think that's great advice. And, and that's a lot of, I think, of where healthcare is is going to is having that lifetime client. Not that hopefully you're not seeing them every right. couple of months for an injury, but that when they when something does happen to them or to a friend or to a relative, you're the first person that pops into their mind. You know, and a couple mm-hmm. two years ago, a former patient of mine uh, who I had seen for a, a lengthy amount of time fell off a horse and fractured her back. And she said, I was laying on the ground. The first thing I thought is, uh, she was out in the Hamptons. She's like, I can't wait to get back to New York because I know Karen's there. And <laughs> that's kind of what you want that's your awesome. clientele of, of, any, of any clientele, even outside of healthcare. So that, you know, if I have questions about branding or about how am I going to reach my market, the first thing I would think of is like, God, I'm, I'm definitely going to go back and reread Jonathan's book because God, that really helped me the first time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's really what you're looking for, right? Absolutely. And that's why I write for Forbes every month. That's why I post on social media all the time. We have a newsletter for my company. We're, we're constantly helping, giving away free stuff, free advice, so that when you need us, you know not only can we help in that moment, we've been helping all along because we understand servanthood. We understand that it's not all about us. Same, exact same thing, staying relevant, having a real attitude of servanthood throughout throughout the relationship. And it, it all comes back. It may take a little while, but it all comes back. And if you're doing that in a relevant way that's differentiated because you are uniquely you and you can uniquely help a, a very small amount of people, then that's how you grow success. That's how you find success in a very fragmented world. 
Yeah, and I think that's great advice. And then uh, one follow-up question to that is, um, I love the free, giving away the free advice, you know, and how much is too much? Like, if you're sending, I don't know, seven to ten emails in five weeks, is that too much? You know, because I know my, yeah, patients, my patients are like, no. I would never see you again. So where is that? Where, what is a good frequency? And is there a good frequency, I guess, is the next question. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's just different in every single scenario. And especially if it's very infrequent. And really what you're trying to do is be helpful while you're not as relevant so that when either something occurs and they need you or somebody in their life has has an injury or something, they can refer you. Then, it, first of all, that insinuates a certain type of content. It probably is less specific to a specific injury and more about generally managing pain, generally staying healthy, those sort of things. So that's content. And in terms of frequency, well, you know, if it's going to be three years before they refer to you, then you probably just need to remind them you're there every month or mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. you don't need to don't you're not desperate. If you're desperate, that that's repellent. People yeah. don't like desperate. So people, don't be desperate. Yeah, people sniff that out in a heartbeat, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that all makes a lot of sense. So now let's talk about the book. So I just mentioned, uh, like I said, I would go back and reread the book if I needed it. So let's talk about Bram versus Wild and what's it about and where can people find it? Well, really, it's how can brands, how can all of us, whether it's corporately with a reputation or personally with a reputation, how can we navigate the wild, which is business today, which is just, it's overwhelming, it's isolating, and it's you know disrupting us every single day. And it's built on our own research. I mentioned we have our own proprietary research. We discovered there's seven factors that affect growth in business. And three of them are external. That's what technically the wild is. It's the economy, it's disruption, it's aggressive competition. These things disorient companies if you're not ready for it. What got us excited is that four of the seven statistically significant factors that affect growth in business are internal. They're inside of companies. They're things like a lack of alignment, loss of nerve, loss of focus, inconsistency, all statistically significant in whether you are growing or not. So they're in our control. And if you can, if you can be intentional about all four of those dynamics inside of a company, inside of a team, inside of a department, then you can manage the chaos. Because what we found when we looked at survival psychology and, and these really fun survival stories that are in the book – the key difference between groups of people that were lost in the desert, you know, uh, on the sea, in Antarctica, uh, in the Amazon, all of these crazy scenarios. The key difference between those that survived and thrived and those that died <laughs> wasn't the externalities. It wasn't how many supplies you had or all, all that stuff. The key difference was your own internal health, the alignment of your team, whether you had focus, whether you had courage. Those were the differences. So the book is is really for all of us. How do we navigate a world that is just out of control and feel, it feels like the pace of change is growing every day? There is a way. It requires resilience. You can find out a lot more about this on my website, jonathandavidlewis.com. You can find Brand vs. Wild on Amazon or really anywhere books are sold. 
That's great. And just so everyone knows, if you're on your uh, morning commute or afternoon commute, everything, if you go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, we will have links to everything. So one click will take you to the book and a click will take you to Jonathan's website. So before we end, I have one question that I ask of everyone. And that is, knowing what you know now and where you are in your life, what advice would you give to yourself as a new grad? that new grad out of college, let's say? I, I think uh, that's an interesting question. I think that reminds me of a story when I was um, in college. I was late for work and I was, I was speeding. Um, and a police officer pulled me over and did the thing, gave me a ticket. And as he's handing me the ticket, he said, slow down, young man. And he just meant literally slow down. <laughs> but I, I, it really hit me because in my whole life at that time, I was just going you know, too fast. And I think remembering to be patient. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have some level of ambition. Well, patience is is really important. It's, it's mattered in my life. It's protected me from some bad decisions. It's really rare in today's world, in a lot of the marketplace. I think slowing down, having a little bit of patience uh, would have helped me even, even um, when I was a younger grad. Yeah, and I think that's great advice, and I thank you so much for that. And if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Where are you on social media and whatnot? Definitely. So certainly, JonathanDavidLewis.com. You can uh, find out more about my company, McKee Walwork and Company, at McKeeWalwork.com. We turn around stalled, stuck, and still brands. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, you're on Twitter, right? Absolutely. That's probably yes. the best place. I'm most yeah, active on Twitter. Exactly. I'm all, I'm, you can find me anywhere, but I, cool. I tweet a lot. Okay, great. And what's your Twitter handle? At Jonathan D underscore Lewis. Perfect. All right. Well, Jonathan, I thank you so much for coming on. I took copious notes, as you probably saw me writing furiously and uh, to the side here. And I really think that people are going to get a lot out of this. So I appreciate and I'm really happy you came on. So thank you. Thanks so much. It's been a blast. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.